And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, May the 20th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on May 20, 1927, Charles Lindbergh took off from Roosevelt Field on Long Island, New York, aboard his Spirit of St. Louis. He was on his historic solo flight to France. Today in 1873, Levi Strauss and a tailor named Jacob Davis, they received a U.S. patent for men's work pants. They would be made with copper rivets, not the whole pants, but they would be put together with copper rivets. We know them as Levi's. Today in 1873. Today in 1899, a taxi driver, his name was Jacob German, he was pulled over and arrested by a police officer who was riding a bicycle. He was pulled over for speeding down Manhattan's Lexington Avenue in his electric car. He was driving 12 miles an hour at the time, but the speed limit was 8 miles per hour. This is the first recorded speeding arrest in U.S. history. I thought you should know that. Today in 1932, Amelia Earhart. She took off from Newfoundland. <clears throat> she became the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic. The weather did not allow her to um, land in France as she had planned, so she landed in Northern Ireland instead. Today, 1939, regular transatlantic mail service began, Pan Am Airways. The Yankee Clipper that took off from Port Washington, New York, bound for Marseille, France, Remember when we used to pay a little extra to get our mail sent, air mail? That all started today in 1939. Today in 1948, Chiang Kai-shek was inaugurated as the first president of the Republic of China, Taiwan. And today in 1956, the U.S. exploded the first hydrogen bomb on Bikini Atoll in the Pacific. Today, in 1998, the government unveiled the design for the new $20 bill. It featured a larger and slightly off-center portrait of Andrew Jackson. As I read that a moment ago, just before we came on the air, I had to smile to myself. There are so many things in our culture today that are a little off-center. I guess the $20 bill, at least the picture on the $20 bill, is also a little off-center. Sometimes we ask ourselves, where is all this going? We know where it's going if we are close to the Lord and if we're looking at things in our culture through the Word of God. I want to give you a verse today that is just for you, for today. It's Psalm 130, verse 5. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait. And in his word do I hope. Translated into just vernacular of the moment, I think what the Lord is saying, at least to me, and I think he's saying to all of us through this verse, don't panic. Just wait for the Lord. God is in control. Let your soul wait. Don't get so anxiety-ridden by what's going on in our world. And it is. It's crazy. It's nuts. But don't get all worked up about it. Relax and hope in his word, not in the politician's ability to solve the problems. Clearly, they can't. 
But God can, and he will. Just wait on the Lord, and let God be God. Sometimes that's the hardest thing for many of us, myself included, to do, is just simply shut up and wait. Well, we shouldn't shut up, but wait. Don't get anxiety ridden. I got a note the other day from someone who supports, who sent a very a, a very generous check of support to this ministry. But he said, man, sometimes I, he said, I listen to your program every day, but sometimes I just have to get away. I can't take what's going on in the world out there. Well, to to you, and but he told me how much he appreciated this ministry. To you and others, just relax. We've got to be informed. God wants his people informed. It's very, very important. There's a thread that runs through the Old and New Testament that underscores the fact that God does not want his people to be ignorant. He wants us to be informed on what's going on in our world, but he wants us to be informed in in relationship to his word and what it means, what's what's going on in our in our culture, what it means in regards to God's word. So just I'm not saying don't take it seriously. It is serious. It, it's it's t- very serious. But take it in the context that the politicians, whether they're Democrats or Republicans or independent, whatever they are or whatever they claim to be, sometimes you wonder if they're anything. But just don't take it in the context of their ability to solve problems. Take it in the context of God's ability to be in control of all things because God spoke into existence the universe. When you feel like you just can't take any more of what's going on in our culture, and it is, it's it's not only discouraging, it, it, it can make you angry. These people are deliberately dismantling a culture that God has blessed, our nation. Just relax. God is in control And your hope is not in those people. Your hope is in God and his word. And his word has told us that this morning. So that's just for you today. You think about that today. And if you start feeling a little pangs of anxiety about something that's going on in your community, your neighborhood, our country, our world, remember your hope is in the word of God. And it is eternal. It will not pass away. However, there are things happening that we need to know about in our world today. And I'm going to share some of those things with you. One of the most egregious things I've seen lately is this mayor of Chicago, this mayor, Lori Lightfoot. She came out this week and she said, I will now. She's the mayor of Chicago. I mean, that's not like a small job. She came out and she said, I will no longer be holding press conferences with any reporters that are not black or brown. She's black. And I I thought, no, I'm I'm missing something here. So I reread it. Nope, that's what she said. I wasn't the only one that noticed it. Now this morning, or last night, actually, she came out, and it's in the news this morning. She came out defending her decision. I guess she got more pushback than she thought she was going to get. And she's defending that decision, and she's explaining last night and this morning that, well, she said the reason that I'm only, she's not going to change her mind, but she's telling whomever that she said 
my decision was intended, I'm quoting her, as an effort to confront the issue of what is a mostly white and male city hall press corps. In other words, the press corps, if it isn't black or brown, she's not going to give them a press conference as mayor of one of the largest cities in America, Chicago. You talk about racism, and we keep hearing that America is systemically racist and horribly bad. That's what racism looks like. I noticed Tucker Carlson, he he was paying attention to this as well, and last night on Fox he kind of went off on this. I want to share a little bit of what he said because it's it's wise words, and I it couldn't be said better. But let me just share a couple of paragraphs here of what Tucker was saying about Lori Lightfoot last night. He said, for months now, privately, he said, we've been searching for a meaningful definition of the word equity. I've talked about that on this program. Carlson continued. He said, we've consulted linguists. We've dusted off moldering reference books. We've scoured the four corners of God's own Internet, all in an effort to figure out what equity is. We've done this not for pleasure. We have hobbies, but because we feel it's our duty as a news program, talking about himself, he said equity is now the organizing principle of the United States of America. On the very first day he was inaugurated, Tucker says, Joe Biden signed Executive Order 13985. That order makes the equity mandatory across the federal government and all the agencies, and yet strangely, neither Joe Biden nor anyone else in the administration has ever defined the word. He said, so what is equity? Well, tonight, finally, we know what it is. He said, equity, it turns out, is racism. It's as simple as that. Equity is racism. And to be clear, we don't mean racism in the sense that ice cream and Shakespeare and math are all now supposedly racist, or that Dr. Seuss is now considered an exalted cyclops in the Ku Klux Klan. We're not talking about the Ilan Omar Atlantic Magazine definition of racism, which, by the way, isn't actual language, but just another blunt political weapon. No, he said, we mean racism in the literal sense, in the way that Martin Luther King uh, Jr. defined the term, which is the act of hurting someone and helping others purely on the basis of their respective races. Bigotry, in other words, prejudice, hatred, that's what equity is. And then he said, we know this thanks to Lori Lightfoot, mayor of Chicago. So true. So very true. We have a very shifting kind of culture right now. What The words that are being used are designed, like equity, to be misleading and deceptive. More effort is going into deceiving than to actually doing the people's business by too many politicians. Remember those that couple in uh, St. Louis, McClowski's? I think you'll remember, they're the ones that there was a mob coming up the street there. There were demonstrate, demonstrations in St. Louis and the suburbs last summer. And Mark McClowski is a lawyer. He and his wife came out of their house. It's a beautiful home. I mean, it looks like a man. It is a mansion. He's a lawyer, very successful guy, very conservative. He talks like a Christian. I don't know that he is actually a biblical Christian, but he could be. I mean, he sounds his conversation sounds like that's where he's coming from. But he's a very successful guy, very conservative. 
And he and his wife came out. This mob came through a gate. It's a gated community. And he and his wife, as I said, he's a very successful lawyer. And they had bought this house. It was in total disrepair. I saw a picture of it back in when this news story first broke last. I don't know. It's been months ago now. And um, they had restored it. And it's, I mean, it's gorgeous. And it looks, it looks almost like the White House or something. I don't know. But anyway, they came out in front of this house as this mob came through the gate. And there were, there were his house and several others in this gated little small gated community. And they were standing out there. She was holding a pistol and he was holding a rifle. And they were standing out there to protect themselves and their home against this mob that had broken down the gate. And they were coming into the neighborhood declaring that nobody should you know, be that blessed, I guess. And so he went out there, and he didn't fire any shots. He didn't shoot anybody, but he was out there with his gun. I presume they were loaded. I don't know. But anyway, that was the picture, and that picture kind of went across the nation and around the world. That's who the McCloskeys are. Well, Mark McCloskey, through that national attention that he received during this Black Lives Matter protest, they became known, he and his wife, as the St. Louis gun couple. Well, he announced that he's going to run for the Senate in Missouri. McCloskey, as I said, he's a lawyer. He's running to fill the seat of retiring Republican Missouri Senator Roy Blunt. He first floated the Senate bid in April when he told Politico that running for Senate was a consideration. Now he said yesterday, he said, God came knocking on my door last summer, disguised as an angry mob, and it woke me up. He said, people don't want any more posers going to D.C. All we hear is talk. Nothing ever changes. It seems to me that people have to stand up. He said he decided to run after his infamous standoff last year because people are tired of cancel culture and the big lie of racism. He says, we continue to do rallies and events supporting our constitutional rights. What I've learned is that people out there in this country are just sick and tired of cancel culture and the poison of critical race theory and the big lie of systemic racism, all backed up by the threat of mob violence. He said, people are sick of it. They don't want any more posers, egotistic career politicians going to D.C. All we hear is talk and nothing ever changes. He added that people have to stand up and say, we are not sheep, we are free people. If we don't stand up now and take back this country, it's going to go away, he said. We used to talk about the erosion of civil liberties. We're way beyond that now. He said since the Biden administration took over, there has been the wholesale slaughter of our civil liberties, an institution of what we called anything but socialism. It occurred to me as I read that, I wanted to share it with you this morning, but just to leave this thought with you, over the years I've encouraged people, certainly young people, many of them, and many of them have gone into the ministry, I've encouraged young people to seek God and see if God would lead them into full-time ministry. Not that everybody is called to that, and I've always made that clear. People who were in my our ministry or in our youth groups over the years and there were there are hundreds thousands maybe of you out there some of you listen to this program and i'm aware of that so you'll remember i often talked with kids about the possibility of going into ministry to pray about it. if you're not called you shouldn't be doing full-time ministry but everyone is called to ministry 
So I would present that to kids. But I also used to say to people, and, and still do, that if you are open to God's leading in your life and you're not sure how God might lead you, you should consider politics. And I know that's an anathema to many pastors. They go, oh, no, we can't. Christians can't be involved in politics. Christians need to rush to be involved in politics. That's the problem in America. America was founded by politicians who are, for the most part, Christians. And that's we got to where we are today because we're not anymore, or we are in name only. We hear a lot about rhinos. Well, I mean, perhaps we should be thinking about sinos as well. People declaring and proclaiming they're, they're deeply religious and so on. We have a president that does that. And yet their actions are so contrary to God's word it's almost nauseous. We need people who will stand up for God's word. And maybe this guy's one of them. I don't know him. I just know what I've shared with you. But I know one thing. He's pretty determined about it. And he's running for the office. And he, as I said, he's been very successful in his law practice. But maybe you should consider. I, I mean, if you're old, if you're over 40. You know, no, I'm kidding. But if you're at that point in your life where you're looking for something, maybe God would call you to run for office. I've encouraged people to do that. There are people that you would know that have served or do serve. And they've told off people often, in fact, it's come back to me that they've told people that, yeah, Gary Randall encouraged me to run for office one time and to pray about it. And I did. Some of them have won. You would know their names. Some didn't win, but they ran. Maybe God would have you to do such a thing. Just be sure the Lord is leading you that way because it's a crummy, crummy deal. And don't look at it as a career if you go into politics. Too many people in politics just go, oh, boy, I got a great career here. They do the same thing in the ministry, and neither should be careers. They should be a calling. That's my opinion, but I feel pretty strongly about that. I want to thank you for your support, including... The person I mentioned, thank you. You wrote a, a great note to me, and I read it. I read all the notes that that we get. Really, I do. And um, thank you for your support. Just don't be anxiety-ridden. And for all of you who perhaps don't get anxiety-ridden and you don't tune out about halfway through this program, thank you for your support. We need your support. It, it These are trying times. And I don't make a big deal out of it, and I, I will not on this program. Some ministries and and some programs are built around the daily crisis that they they have to face. Well, I'll tell you, anybody that's speaking truth in the darkness of our present time is going to have resistance. And we don't make a big deal out of it, and we're not. But thank you for standing with us in your prayers and with your financial support. We need it. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I found it interesting. It's a sign of the time, so to speak. The Secular Coalition for America, they announced that they are proud to have had a productive meeting with the White House last Friday. In the meeting, which they hope is the first of many, they say, they highlighted their priorities for America. They called the meeting historic. The Secular Coalition announced that the Biden White House is, I'm quoting them, open to embracing pluralism, diversity of thought, and the secular community. 
Well, America's always been open to that, but we weren't driven by or led by that. And they're engaging with organizations representing non-religious organizations. They were in the White House Friday. It was kind of like Trump used to bring in the evangelical leaders. Remember that? You saw some of the pictures. I put them out in the article we write every day. I talked about it on this program. Trump would bring in evangelical leaders. Some of them you hear on the radio, Robert Jeffress and others, uh, Jack Graham from the Prestonwood Baptist in Dallas, guys that were well, Franklin Graham and other people like that, they would bring them in and there'd be these 30, 40 people in the Oval Office praying for Donald Trump. Well, this was kind of similar to that, except it's the polar opposite. These people, they're aligned with one another because of their common disbelief in God. The coalition consists of American humanists, Humanist Association, American Atheist, Center for Inquiry, ex-Muslims of North America, the Freedom from Religion Foundation, the Secular Student Alliance, and there's some others, there's about 18 of them. Yes, America has traditionally provided protection and liberty for freedom of all religious beliefs or the lack thereof, including atheists, who have only recently begun including themselves in the religious column They are now, for the first time. They've denied for years that they are a religious uh, group, the atheist. Now they say, well, we are religious, and our religion is non-religion. So they include themselves in the list of religious beliefs, because there are more benefits to that, because America was founded by Christian, godly people, for the most part. But given this administration's propensity to openly oppose biblical Christianity— He's a great champion of LGBTQ plus transgender, all this craziness that really is destroying this country. The abortion agenda, they've never not they've never had a greater friend. I mean, certainly Hillary Clinton and these people are, but Joe Biden is he's all in. I mean, they have a friend in the White House, and they know it. All of these people, and they're all connected. That's why they're saying this is historic. In their press release, they say, quote, the Secular Coalition for America is proud to have had a productive meeting with the White House of faith-based and neighborhood partnerships. They're hardly faith-based. They identify themselves as having no faith. As I said, there's about 18 of these groups or like-minded organizations. They've signed on to what they call the Blueprint for America. I wouldn't even be talking about this if if the White House and the Oval Office wasn't so open to them. This coalition said their purpose in announcing their blueprint is so, I'm quoting them, Congress and the new administration will have a better understanding of what our very large and quickly growing constituency expects of them. (laughs) Apparently, the administration understands perfectly their agenda and their expectations. Excuse me. Historically so, in fact. Although the list of expectations is fairly long, let me share a couple of their priorities with you. They say they want to build support to repeal the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. That, as you may recall, is a 1993 bipartisan law that prevents the government from substantially, from substantially, I'm quoting from it, burdening a person's exercise of religion. Democrat President Bill Clinton signed it. After it passed unanimously in the House and the Senate, passed it by 97 to 3. 
Now these folks want it repealed. They're not going to have any of this. We don't want a Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And they know that they're meeting with an administration that very well may be sympathetic to this. While he claims and touts the fact that he's, and others say it for him in the press particularly, the most devout religious president in modern history. No, he isn't. He's a hypocrite. The Catholic Church, his Catholic Church says he is. That's not me. That's their judgment. He's a Catholic. They're a Catholic. They should know. They say he's not a deeply religious Catholic. He doesn't even practice what the church preaches. We're afraid to say these things in today's culture. Get your get your face slapped or whatever. But it's true. They're not seeking freedom, these people, from anything. They're seeking safe haven in a person that they know shares many of their beliefs under the guise of being a devout religious Christian, quote-unquote, person. That's the problem with this administration. I'm not politically upset at them. I'm spiritually upset at them. I would like to call it righteous indignation. This blueprint is calling for Congress to have this secular congressional invocation. Not once, but often. They would prefer all the time so we can separate church and state. These are their words. They want to remove mandating swearing to God in all the congressional oaths, but they want this invocation. Who do you pray for? Who do you pray to when you're an atheist? I don't know. There's no higher power. You are God when you become an atheist. So you pray to yourself. Dear Gary, I pray. I know that sounds silly, but that's where these people end up intellectually. And they have an open ear and an open heart in the Biden administration. Some of the things that they specifically are asking for is a do-no-harm act, which they claim would curb religious exemptions, Women's Health Protection Act, you know where that, what that's about, abortion, each woman act would require taxpayer funding for abortion. Each child deserves a family act that would prohibit discrimination in foster care. What that means is they could place wholesale kids in homosexual homes so they can be indoctrinated. Equality Act, that means that federal law there could be no federal laws. They would be amended to prohibit discrimination based on sexual orientation, gender identity, blah, 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 bathrooms, the whole thing. But the blueprint concludes representing 18 national secular organizations, hundreds of local secular communities, working with our allies in the faith community. What are, who are their allies in the faith community? I don't know. We combine the power of the grassroots activism with professional lobbying to make an impact on the laws and policies that govern separation of religion and government or the improper encroachment of either on the other. And they are all saying they found an open heart, an open ear, and a welcoming spirit in the Biden administration. We'll continue this conversation tomorrow. Thank you so much for being with me. I'll see you right here tomorrow.